Sounds started. a lot better. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to talk. So talk to me. Talking to Alex. Talking to Abe. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, 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 yada. I, I, I think when we had both of them on there, it um, was playing back double. But when we have the headphones in, we won't be able to hear the feedback. Can you talk? Because you, you like, wait, talk, talk slower because you sound different on yours. Can you hear me now? You sound like really like deep and robotic. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I can hear the feedback coming through. It, I sound like, I don't even sound like myself. Yeah, like mine sounds like myself, but yours doesn't. I wonder why. Like, let's switch. Okay. What? Close the door. Okay, talk. This is Sam Elkins. You sound wait, was that for real? Yeah, this is Sam Elkins. You sound so like deep. That's what she said. Uh, uh, I sound and uh yeah you sound good speak speak again hey uh this is alex but you sound like literally like a robot you sound just like yourself really yeah let's uh okay press stop recording and we'll listen play back and see if it sounds like that but Hey y'all, this is Alex Tan. And this is Aram Campillo. And you're listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. A breath of fresh air when you need it most. Um, Abe, so we're almost halfway through the first season. Yeah. season, so like 12 episodes, and... We've gotten really good feedback so far, and I think one of the comments that we keep hearing is that uh, you guys just say the word like and um, a lot. Do you think it's never gonna change? It's not. <laughs> I think it will. It, I think it will as like time goes on, but it's just so, so hard, dude. It's just so hard. Like when you talk for sixty minutes to not have like nervous. If you're not like a trained conversationalist, which we're not, like we have no idea what we're doing. Like you just fill in these gaps of thought with just pause words. Yeah, you know I mean? but you don't even notice you're doing it. Yeah, you have zero idea. And if you've never done so, I challenge mm-hmm. you to record yourself for 60 minutes and you'll realize how many things about yourself that you don't even notice. All the say. flaws. <laughs> but we're going to try our best to not, to not be saying it as much. Um, and other news, I think you have some news to share with some of our friends. Oh, yeah. So I know I previously said I was freelancing, um, but I just recently accepted a job at Basic Agency out cool. in San Diego, uh, which is really uh, exciting for me because I didn't expect to be uh, back at an agency, but like when a good opportunity comes, I think it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, if it's like hard to reject because there's not always uh, a lot of like opportunities that come that, you know, mesh like stylistically. Yeah. This one I feel like does. Yeah. I think like sometimes when the, the opportunities come to the door and even though our plan, like if your plan was to be freelance for, a while and you know sometimes that doesn't always 
you know, sometimes our plans don't always just pan out the way like we want them to, especially when like a better opportunity comes to the door. Yeah. And it wasn't going bad. It's just, um, I think, and I just moved to LA six months ago and now I'm moving to San Diego. Yeah. But like, I kind of, you kind of have to take those risks. Um, right. Because I don't want to get stuck, you know? Yeah. You always want to be pushing forward and moving on. Right. Um, but today we are doing a very, very long distance podcast. Uh, our guest today is Carter Moore, who um, was previously the head of community at uh, Visco for several years and is now living in London, recently moved over there uh, with his wife um, and is working for Apple. Um, but we'll let him kind of tell more of the story. Um, so, uh, Carter, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. I mean, I'm here and you're there, but it's good to be talking with you guys. <laughs> uh, so where in the world are you right now? Yeah, I'm in, kind of I'm in London in my flat, which is picture this it's like a five-story building we're on the bottom floor and we are not in a cool area at all in fact <laughs> most people don't know the neighborhood when i tell them we live here which is kind of perfect because okay. we didn't yeah. want to be like in a super hip area where there's tons of people it's pretty quiet and i like it yeah nice um and you just moved out there how long ago like i don't know mid-september so maybe six weeks ago Cool. Well, yeah. Transition going well. Everything going well over there. Yeah, man. Or do you miss? Is there other parts about California that you miss? Or I mean, there's a lot of things. I'm, there's no salsa to be to be found at all anywhere here. So <laughs> we've had to resort to making it at home. Yeah, but that's uh, important. But yeah, yeah. We I mean, we miss the people. We miss the landscape. There's you know, there's no mountains. Um, it's it's not sunny. Um, but yeah, we love it. That's awesome, man. Cool. Um, yeah, but thanks again for joining us. And I, I think um, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you uh, about um, was this idea of community, which I think is like a, a really big buzzword and um, kind of the culture that we exist in and the industry that we exist in. And so why don't you kind of tell us about uh, where like things started for you? Like where did you, you know, kind of like grow up? Like did you grow up in a creative household? And, you know, kind of just like start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Colorado in a pretty small town called Steamboat Springs. It's like maybe 10,000 year-round residents. Um, it's a ski town, so everybody there is just like skiing and snowboarding all the time. I mean, the last year I lived there, they had over like 550 inches of snow one year. Um, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. And so um, I think actually it's produced more Winter Olympians than any other town in the nation. Uh, so. It's a ton. It's a big ski town. And I mean, I grew up skiing, snowboarding, grew up in the mountains. My dad's a home builder. Um, and my mom bounced around from like, you know, different jobs. She was a manager of a hardware store to waiter and waitress, you know, like waitressing. Um, so yeah, kind of just grew up in a, in a normal small town mountain home, I guess. Um, and in that town, I was definitely, I mean, I was part of it, but I definitely kind of wasn't a part of it at the same time. Uh, Steamboat celebrates a very athletic, very kind of, um, I guess really just Mount. I don't, it's hard to describe if you've never lived in the mountains, I guess the closest would be a beach town. It's just like very laid back. Um, you know, tourism is the number one thing that drives it. And so if you're not there to either work at a place that your parents probably set up like a business or a doctor's office or something, you know, you probably just work in the ski mountain and, spending your days on the slopes, which is great. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
I was like, I was definitely more of the arty kid. Um, and I think that started when I went to Montana one summer, which also doesn't sound super arty, but, um, <laughs> my mom lived in Billings, Montana for a little bit. And there was a, like this amazing, like hardcore scene at the time. And I was maybe like, Oh uh, yeah. And that was my first real exposure to any sort of creativity or any sort of passion that, um, didn't, that was, I don't know. I just like related to, it. I was just related to these people kind of doing whatever and, uh, you know, like throwing down in the pit and, uh, it's just like totally emo kid, totally like into metal. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to send you some photos. Afterwards. How long was your hair? Tell us how long your hair was at that time. I mean, it was pretty short because I couldn't grow it, but eventually like past shoulder length with like, I dyed it black <laughs> with like this big blonde streak right in the middle. No way. Yeah. So you were totally part of the scene. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it, I lived three and steamboat was like three hours away from Denver, which was the closest sort of like scene, if you will, anywhere. So I would like, you know, in high school, I would drive down on the weekends, go to shows and then come back up. And, uh, it was a big deal for me, but my parents hated it. Uh, my dad refers to it as the dark period. Uh, <laughs> not too many photos from that time exist. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, throughout high school, it was, I didn't really fit in, in the sense that I was this three sport athlete and I wore Abercrombie, you know, I was like, you know, weird hair into art and, um, my high school voted yeah. me most artistic all four years. So <laughs> I think it's just because they didn't know who else to pick. They're like, well, Carter's kind of weird. So we'll, we'll just go with it. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. And then after that, I was thinking about going to art school. Um, but I was kind of coming out of a bad time where I was into, I just was into stuff that I didn't want to be into long-term. So I passed on that. And, uh, I actually did an internship in Colorado Springs at a church that my youth pastor had told me about. And so I like paid this church to essentially go and live there and work with them. And, uh, it's actually the best year of my life. Uh, well, not the best year of my life, but it was formational for sure. sure. And so, yeah, I didn't really go the traditional route. I tried going to college later on and I pretty much hated it. So I only did a, like a semester or two after that. And I just, I just wasn't into it. It just wasn't for me. Right. So did you find yourself always just kind of being a little bit different, different um, compared to the people that you were surrounded with? Growing up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Growing up. Um, I mean, once I left Steamboat when I was 18, um, it was a lot better, I think. I think I found people that were generally more aware of the kind of things I was into, just by nature of being in a bigger city. Nice. And uh, where did uh, Visco come into play? Like, when did that Yeah, yeah. So that didn't happen until a few, late, few years later. Um, so kind of understand where I came from. Uh, I, someone gave me my first iPhone, I think in 2011. I still don't know to this day who gave it to me. It just showed up in my mailbox with a note attached that said, thought you could use this. And, um, later on, I mean, it went to like change my life essentially. Um, yeah. And that's not a plug because I work for Apple right now. That's like just the facts. Uh, you know, someone gave it to me and I thought this is awesome. I can now, you know, use Instagram and other things to connect with people who I followed on Flickr. And I felt like they were more open to connecting on Instagram for whatever reason. And so, uh, 2011, I got on Instagram and then I moved to Kansas. Um, I took a job as a youth pastor there for seven months 
Um, and then I moved back to Colorado Springs and I just did freelance design and photo. And uh, it was around when I moved back that I started this project uh, on Instagram called the uh, Visco Portrait Project. And it was just a challenge for me to get better at taking portraits and a challenge for me to use the app that I thought was really cool. Um, and through that, I found a guy, his name's Jeremy Fleischer, and he was one of Visco's original designers. And he started following me and I noticed in his bio that it said freelance designer works at Visco and was like a dad or something. And he lived in Colorado Springs, which blew my mind because nothing is from Colorado Springs. And so I commented on a photo and I was like, hey, would love to grab coffee with you sometime and just hear about how you make it as a freelancer. Essentially, what I wanted to do was figure out how to make it full time as a freelancer to make enough money so I could get engaged and support being married. That was like what I wanted to do. That was like the end goal. Yeah, for real. I was like, man, you do this, you're a freelancer uh, and you have kids and a wife, like, and a house. Like, how do you do it? I can like barely, you know, pay $400 a month in rent. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we hung out, him and I, for about a year and then uh, maybe a little less than. And he helped me, uh, helped me get engaged. Uh, Like, him and his wife paid for a rental car for me to help, you know, I was in Portland proposing to my wife and he paid for a rental car. And I planned this entire engagement through using Instagram at the time. Mm. Um, And then right after that, I visited at the Visco office in Colorado Springs because that's where Greg, one of the co-founders is from. And um, I went in, we were running late for something. I was with Brooke and uh, he, Brooke just said like, you know, let's hang out for a bit, even though we're late. And so we just sat down with the team and Greg and uh, his sister, Christina and Jeremy and this other guy, Jared, who was in Seattle. And we just kind of just had coffee in this office on a Wednesday afternoon. And then uh, the next day I got a call from Greg asking if I'd be interested in working at Visco. And Thursday, I kind of had an interview, but not really. Uh, We just went to a coffee shop and they looked over some writing that I had done. And then I started on Monday. And then I never went nice. back. <clears throat> were you like, were you like kind of like mind blown at the time? Did you ever feel as if like you were talking about how, yeah, I, I did, I tried college. I, you know, was just kind of doing this freelance design, this photo thing. I was reaching out, trying to figure it out. And, uh, were, were you at any capacity, like totally shocked at the, at the fact that this company that maybe you had admired for a little bit wanted to hire you, uh, to be an employee? Oh, Definitely. I was like, yeah. I was like, what alternative reality are we living in? <laughs> One that this right. company exists in Colorado Springs, and I have it on my phone, you know. Right. And two that you didn't ask for a resume. You just like, I popped in, and you're like, yeah, come work for us. And then I did. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost as if your job was found off of the basis of of community, like in general. Like it was just like you guys just like hanging out, grabbing a coffee. They seem to really like you. Um, and in a, in a, in a non-traditional way, almost as if I, I think a lot of jobs these days are kind of almost um, founded off this idea of like, oh, like we're just going to go hang out with this guy and see if we like him. And a lot of times if people like you, they, they, they want to work with you. You know, it doesn't really matter what the experience is, what like any of that, they see your work, they looked at your writing and they were like, Oh, like we like this guy. Let's bring him in and see what he has to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that was definitely a part of it. I mean, I think developing that relationship with Jeremy 
and then then seeing potentially how I use you know social media to plan an entire proposal in a different town with people I'd never met. I think that kind of stuff helped. Um, you know, I just was never doing that to get ahead necessarily. I was just trying to do it because those people were awesome and I wanted to propose to my wife and do it in like the coolest way ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, did you want to, like, did you know right off the bat that you wanted to be a community manager or did they kind of like... No, so offer? when I got hired, I was hired for kind of three separate things. I was hired to be a curator, an assistant editor, and help with some of the social media because Joel, the CEO, was pretty much doing all the social media on his phone at the time. Um, wow. There was, you know, I was, I think, like the 15th employee or something, and there was just a lot of room you know, Visco was growing. There was a lot of things that needed to be done. And I just said, I'll help however I can. Yeah. How would you best describe, uh, because they're both vague words, community and manager, Mm -hmm. um, for the people that are listening, how would you best describe it? Because I feel like it's very important and um, specifically for like the growth of Visco. Uh, Community management was, was, I think, a major key. Yeah, I mean, we, we, Abe and I were actually talking about this before, was, like yeah, Visco has a. They have a great product. They they made something that nobody else was making at the time. But without the the community aspect that I think Carter that you helped build and pioneer, I don't know if they would even exist in the place that they would today. And and that's just us speculating. But um, yeah, like I guess back to Abe's question, like what you know what what is community like what does real community management mean to you? Because I think there's like a lot of brands out there that are they try to hire this community manager and this person really ends up just like getting on buffer and scheduling posts or there's some community managers that are really out there and about and like hosting events and showing up and meeting people and getting FaceTime. And so for you, what does that mean? I guess as a community manager, like what, what makes a community manager successful? Um, and what is the importance of a, of a community manager's role maybe in a company like Visco or, or other startups? Yeah. You know, to my I don't know if it was blessing or just ignorance. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't doing community management. I wasn't doing social media before, so I didn't know the programs. I didn't know any of that. I kind of just had to figure it out on the go. Uh, and that was, yeah. that was good, actually. Um, but, you know, I think Joel and Greg are people who have built really strong community around them. And um, I kind of just tried to feed off that and pull in the things that I normally would do. Uh, so when I looked at community at Visco or social media or whatever, my primary focus was if I were to interact with these people in real life and tell them about Visco, what would I want to tell them? How would I want to communicate the product? How would I want to communicate not even so much the product, but the idea behind the product to these people? And to know that, like I had to, you know, I was a user first uh, and I, I was glad I was because I, you know, I knew that other people who used it, I was a part of it. And Visco, I think, has done a really good job of hiring people who uh, aren't just looking for another bump on the resume, but have done a good job of, you know, being invested into the culture and product of the people who use it. And so to get to your point about what it makes a good community manager. Um, and one, I, I community manager, that's such an interesting word. Uh, I like to think of more <laughs> as like community builder or community organizer. Um, but I think one of the best things to do is just treat people how you would want to work with them in real life. So if I was organizing a town hall event or something in my city, what are the ways that I would go about it? Uh, who are the kind of people that I would want to be a part of it? You know, if I was hosting a photo walk in Colorado Springs, what kind of 
who would I want there and why would I want them there? And I think understanding the why you want community is a, is a huge part of it. You can't just build community because you need people to support your product. Like you have to show them why it's important to use your product and why it's even more so important to believe in you. Yeah. I think, I think also there's a lot of people who are, you know, like, oh, I, I know social media and they're, and they're building community because it's what they're getting paid to do. But how can you successfully build a community based around a product or an idea or a vision that you don't even believe in yourself? Like you can't, you can't sell something to somebody that you don't actually believe in. You know what I mean? It's not even about selling. It's just about getting people to like believe in something as much as you do. Yeah. I would tell those companies and those people to either get out of that job or find somebody who's an advocate already because, um, at least that's, I, I don't know if I could work for a company where I feel like I'm not believing fully in the product that I'm a part of, which is one of the reasons why I don't know if I could function well necessarily within an agency uh, because if I got a client that I didn't agree with or like or had, you know, just wasn't a part of, then I, I would struggle with that pretty hard. And I think that would show through the work. Mm. But, you know, really for people who don't have those options, I understand that's, you know, kind of a, a luxury to say, oh, well, turn down this job if you don't fully 100% believe in everything that that person or company is doing. Uh, I would say try to find areas of commonality and you know, understand why the product exists in the first place and then use that understanding to build community. I would even go as far as to say is like community is not meant for everyone. Like it doesn't make sense for some brands to want community because their product doesn't necessarily need to offer that. They just want it because it's like everybody else is doing it. Yeah. It's like the, you kind of like have to like, because it's on everybody's bio. Well, do you, what's like, I don't know. Do you, well, do you think there's, do you think there's ways to build community around any and every product? I, I, I don't know. That's an interesting point. I, I don't think like, you don't think so at all. It's not necessary. For it doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't know. I mean, Carter, what do you think? I think community can exist around anything. If there's people who are passionate about those things, I think you could, if you were passionate enough about sheets of paper, I'm sure that you could build community around plain white sheets of paper if you really want to. <laughs> uh, you know, there's yeah. like communities of people online who just watch people hike. That's all they do. There's some YouTube channels of people who just hike and <laughs> they have like thousands of followers so that you, I don't know if I, if somebody can build a channel of putting a GoPro to their head and hiking for 10 hours and yeah. get people to follow that. I think people, you know, could, you could build community around anything. And honestly, I think people just want to be with other like-minded people. So as long as you can find some sort of common ground, you can build community. Mm-hmm. So community is, a, I think that brings up a really interesting point that I think this, this term that you were talking about community manager is, I think in my mind has been kind of washed up to this idea of, Oh, you're the person that makes our Instagram following really large. And if you're not doing that, you're failing. And I don't think that is necessarily the point. Um, the more the point is to make people feel as if they are part of something. And I think that's what some, like, I think that's something Visco did that was really interesting was I remember the first time I got, I think even Carter, maybe when I got connected with you on Instagram a few years ago, um, you know, it felt as if it, it was like something real. I was like, I really respect this product. I really respect the kind of work that they put on. And for this guy, who's like the head of community at Visco to kind of reach out to me and maybe give me a compliment and, and invite me to an event or, you know, do this kind of like, I, it made me feel as if I was a part of some like bigger group that maybe 
thought the same way I did or respect my work. Um, so I think, I yeah, I think community is a, way bigger than maybe what we've like narrowed it or washed it down to. I think so. I mean, I think the Visco community, we would talk about it all the time when I was there. The Visco community is what makes Viscable such an amazing company. It's not necessarily the product. It's like the people who support and believe in that product and that idea that creativity is for everyone. And although Visco has kind of morphed and changed from, you know, just Lightroom presets to now helping creators connect with brands and a whole bunch of other things, like the core of the people at Visco have roughly still been the same. Like, you know, we want to see people succeed. And, um, and I just wanted that too. Like I knew that I have been given a chance that 99% of people never get. And if I can help somebody else even get a sliver of a chance uh, to have like their work seen or acknowledged or their ideas or like, yeah, I'm going to help people do that. Right. Um, a, when did you, so a, when did you start using Visco? Uh, or what was your attraction, I guess? Cause I, I feel like I d- downloaded it like really early. Like it was one of my first apps. Okay. Um, and I would only use it to like edit it with like the original, um, like presets that they had, mm-hmm. like O five. O five. Oh yeah, the leg the legacy that collection. Was all that, yeah, yeah. And like, was like that the is that fade the to the max? <laughs> yeah, it was all about like, the fades. I, I used to I used to think it was so cool and yeah. like film looking, and now looking back at it, I was like, there is literally like no contrast in any of these. <laughs> like they're flatter than a raw image. Yeah, um, dude, I think. Well, it's really funny because I at the time I um I don't know. I'm pretty young. So like when I first started figuring this out, I was like 14 or 15 or something. Yeah. And <laughs> dude, I was, I was way oh young and I, um, you know, I was on Instagram or whatever. Uh, and I, I had a, I had an Android phone and at the time Visco wasn't available on Android. It was only on iOS. And I remember like scrolling through Instagram and I saw this picture that was like edited really cool. And I was like, I want like my pictures to look like that. And I wasn't a photographer at the time or anything, but um, I remember seeing like this hashtag, it was called Visco, and then I like looked it up and I was like, what is this? And it was the branding was all mysterious and like they didn't really give you a lot of information. And I was like, man, I, I like I feel like I need to be a part of this. And um I ended up getting an iPhone because I wanted Visco and I wanted Instagram and I wanted to be kind of like part of that. And I didn't really and I think that was even before they rolled out the update where like they had the in camera, like the manual controls on the camera. Um and started using that and and that really like visco is what really taught me um like how to shoot manual on a camera before i because i didn't even own a camera at the time i didn't know anything about it um and so and and visco kind of taught me um what film emulation looked like i I didn't know anything about like film photography and and of of course i do now through the education but i think what visco really did was they brought it down to a level of understanding to where like you said anybody is capable of creativity if, if they're curious enough, if they're passionate enough. Yeah. And, but you guys, I think what you guys did really well is that you made it accessible. Um, and it changed my life completely, like, which I think is amazing. <laughs> I'm just glad they're doing video now. Yeah, the video updates are, are amazing too. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty tight. I had just rolled out once they had uh, updated that. So, but I saw they just released it for Android too, which is pretty cool. Um, I know yeah. that there's a ton of people on Android that deserve the good yeah, just a little bit late, right? <laughs> That's what they get, though. That's what they get. You know, yeah. And, you know, I can't take, when as we're talking about this, like, I just want to be up front. Like, I can't take the credit for all this. Like, the engineers, the Joel, and I know you guys know this. Like, the whole team 
is what made it sure. what makes Visco what it is. Like I would never get social numbers up if people weren't interested in the curated content that our team was making. Like it's a total team effort. Um, we used to actually have a phrase uh, that Greg started called we are phantoms. And it was just the idea that not one of us could take credit for anything because we're all a team. So um, for a long time, we never had bylines or anything on the post or anything just because it was Visco talking and we we're all part of Visco. So not one of us right. were taking that credit, um, which I also think gave it a little bit more of that mysterious vibe. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, so I still like pull from that. I still resonate with that. Uh, not just Visco, but anywhere. It's like, you know, I'm only as good as the person sitting next to me. And I really, I believe that. And I've had other people that are far more talented come into my life and, you know, help pull me up to where that they're at. And so um, it's always a team effort. We were literally talking about it right before we hopped on. And um, we were just talking about like Visco succeeded, not only because they had the best like engineers, designers and like community management, but because like they all functioned at the same time. Like if one of them lacked, um, it wouldn't have been able to grow as fa- as fast as it was because when it was first starting off, it was like super like highly saturated market where everybody was making apps, right? So it was, was all like, just product. So there were so many that I like, I don't even remember now, right? Hipstamatic um, and like, like Snapseed. I mean, so Afterlight, still, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I think that's that's huge, and the, and the fact that like just res- working with people and respecting that like it, you have to do your job and no no one the person to the right of you to the left of you is not more important than the other because you kind of rely on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, that's the only way I think Visco and us like that we got through, especially during times when uh, we once had a slide up on our, our wall that kind of showed all of these other apps and um, all of their designs like look just like Visco's, um, mm. you know, cause Visco in a, in a lot of ways like pioneered a lot of certain photo UI UX elements and um at least from my perspective and we just saw that man like our greatest asset is the people in that room who are pushing together and working hard and you know the moment that we think that we have it we don't and uh the hustle was always real you know and people think that visco is this like big company from the outside but it's just like a hundred people you know working hard (laughs) yeah i think it's a hundred people doing a lot more work than um anybody ever sees on the surface <laughs> would you say that's what like brands like going back to like brands mm-hmm. that do it well versus brands that don't do it well, is maybe they lose sight of that yeah i think things just change um i think goals can change and so you could say that you know the brand doesn't care about this group anymore but then they focus on another group and you know it's it's tricky with brands because now people see brands more as friends or as personas and that was one of the best compliments i ever heard a photographer give about visco was you know i see visco as a friend as an ally to the creative community and i think you know when you have to if you're you guys had to have paid him company, you gotta adapt <laughs> yeah that's so good you guys had to have paid him to say that i won't tell you who said it but uh i've been his work blows my mind he's like not some yeah, instagrammer so yeah that's amazing yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that's, yeah, that's so cool. I think, um, if I can kind of gather my thoughts here, I, I think it's inter- I think in a world, uh, in the creative industry where it's hard to trust whether or not this brand is just trying to 
you know, use me for this or trying to use me for influence or do they really care about what I'm making? Um, you know, A, B, and C, all that kind of stuff. I think that Visco has done like a really good job of, um, you know, kind of like partnering up with, you know, with creators and things like that, that says like, Hey, we're here for you. And even with like the new Visco connect stuff that you guys are rolling out, or I guess you're not with Visco anymore, but what Visco is rolling out. I'm sorry. I know it's okay. Um, I still say it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I think I saw you tweet about it the other day, but I, I think the the Visco connecting is, is such an amazing like way to tie it all together. Where they're like, "Hey, um, you know, we're here for you. Like, we we want you to get paid. We want you to do good work. We want you to connect you. We want to connect you with brands that you might not ever have a chance to connect with on your own. Um, we, you know, we're here for you. Like, we're gonna hold your hand through this and and kind of get you to the place that you want to be in. Um, I think that's where a lot of companies maybe maybe don't succeed as much as as Visco does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I there's a lot of great tools out there. There's a lot of great photo apps. There's a lot of, you know, you can choose anything. And to be honest, like some of those tools in a lot of ways are better than Visco. Like, you know, Mm. um, I think Visco has like the, the best presets and, you know, the best looks and I'll still use Visco, you know, on almost every photo, but it's not so much for me that the, the tools themselves that keep me there. It's like, I don't know. I believe in them. I believe in the people there. I know the people who work there and maybe that's a part of it. I mean, it's definitely a part of it, but uh, there's just something else. Like I could use Lightroom and have amazing photos and I could, mm. you know, do everything there, but I just don't believe in, I don't know mm. Lightroom. Lightroom is just a product to me. And like Visco is this entity that I know cares about people. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Almost like Adobe almost, and not to just like name drop or whatever, oh, yeah, but just like, yeah, yeah, like Lightroom just kind of feels, yeah, it almost just, it just feels like a, a product. Like it's just a product. Like there's no, I'm not getting invited to anything by Lightroom. I don't feel like I'm part of this Lightroom community. And yeah, I think that is like such a really good way of framing it. It's like there's, there's some sort of like connection or like relationship to, to the app in itself. Yeah, which, um, which is, is crazy because they had no, I mean, you don't have, you have no way of communicating with it. <laughs> right. They're like, it's, it's just like, a, it's, a, it's literally inside your phone. Like you can't talk to it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, and I think that's always why Instagram is so successful, especially early on too, is like they just gave people a way to have something to rally around. Uh, and that I think when Instagram was like really, you know, taking off, you know, right when they got bought and stuff, there was just these people on there who, you know, kind of found community. They found similar ideas, kind of like me finding these people in Montana when I was 13. I just like, people just like, you know, they found each other. They're like, oh my God, there's other people out there who are like me. Right. And that doesn't have to yeah. be just a photographer. It could be like, it could be anybody, you know, it could be a bunch of moms who found each other and they're like, oh my God, there's so many other moms yeah. who are just like me. But yeah, um, not that I know anything about being a mom. So <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Community building, right? <laughs> Maybe on a rainy day. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so talked about Visco a lot, um, and now that you're, you're kind of not there anymore, you've moved on, definitely. Yeah, I'm not there I kind of want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not there anymore. Um, but I think it's it's easy for us to tell and for anybody to tell that it did play such a huge role in your life and that you, you really did care about um, your job and your role. And anybody who knew Carter Moore and just knew, oh, yeah, that's – that's he works at Visco, and people will probably still say that for the next two years is because how much you actually like, you know, place right in. that in, in such high high respect and high quality in your life, um, which is amazing. But Carter, I wanted to kind of talk to you about. Um, I think I think when you and I first got connected on, online, 
uh, we had, I would only been following you for maybe like six months before, um, you decided that you were going to delete Instagram and, uh, I think that became kind of like a trendy thing over the past couple of years, but I think you were one of the very first people to just kind of publicly explain like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving Instagram and, and here's why. Like I've, I've thought this through. Um, this is like a conscious decision I'm making. I'm, I'm not doing it for attention. Like I just want to like show you um, kind of why I'm doing it. And we'll attach the, the link to the blog post because I think it's one of the, one of the best pieces I've written or read in a long time. Um, but do you kind of want to just explain to us like what, like maybe what you were feeling in that season and kind of the, the reason why you decided to leave Instagram at that time and, and a period of time where everybody was obsessed with Instagram and nobody was going to delete it. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, the deleting of Instagram in itself wasn't something that was like planned overnight. I think maybe that when I actually did it, it was kind of like a sudden decision, but the idea of leaving social media in a lot of ways was something I've been thinking about for a long time, uh, not just Instagram, but other places too. And um, the catalyst for it was I was in Israel with a bunch of other amazing, talented people. Um, some of them were people that I had met before. Some of them were, you know, huge parts of the story of me, you know, proposing to my wife, like they played roles within that. Some of them were just brand new people I never met. And I was super happy to be there. And um, for those of people who don't know me, like I love Israel. I love, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just like that area of the world. Part of it's like tied to my religious beliefs. Um, but anyway, it's my second time getting to go back and I was there and I loved it. And I love these people. And I just, but I just noticed like so much of the conversation was around how do I get more followers or how do, you know, I'm in Israel and it's super controversial, but how do I post something that isn't going to lose my base, but isn't going to piss off my followers or brands that follow me. Like what if I say that I'm pro Israel and then like some brand that follows me is like, you know, totally not, then I'm going to lose a client. Um, and there was just a ton of discussion about like social media, this and social media, that, and I just, I was just losing it. I remember we were in uh, the garden of Gethsemane, which was super impactful to me um, for a lot of like faith reasons. And, I just heard somebody say that I can't wait to get back on the bus to get on Wi-Fi to share this to Instagram. And I just was done. Oh my I was just like done. I, <laughs> You're like, it's done. It's yeah. Done. I literally wrote it in my journal. I don't know where, I don't have it around me. I think I put a picture of it in that medium post, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, I just couldn't do it. Uh, I just was like, I, I, I love how this platform has connected me and in many ways put me on this bus seat in the middle of this desert. Uh, but I just, you know, if this is what friendship and, you know, all of these experiences have come to is just posting a square on the internet for, you know, 10% of the people we think follow us to read, then that's not good <laughs> enough for me. Like, yeah. Um, I was really torn because like I said, a lot of those people I, I knew there from social media. Um, and I think some of them took it personally. Uh, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I just got that vibe that I was like, attacking them, which I, w I wasn't meaning to do. And in hindsight, I probably could have done a better job of uh, at least letting the people on that trip know what was gonna, I was going to do. But um, yeah, I think that was the main thing. And I was just tired. And that plus another, I read a book while I was at Visco, um, which uh, my boss encouraged me to read called 
American Girls and the Secret Life of Teenagers in Social Media. And it was this like 450-page book written by a journalist who interviewed, uh, I don't know, a crazy amount of young women ages 13 to 19. And the reason that was important for Visco is because uh, Visco's base changed completely um, from like the photographer, pro photographer market to like 77% female under the age of 24. Um, really worldwide. And so we realized that our community is like not who we thought it was and we need to understand them. And in that I read this book and this book just like, man, it just, it just brought me down. Like it just talked about how these experiences that these young women and then men too had online and how online culture shaped them even without them knowing it. Uh, it just broke me down. And so I just thought, you know, I, Mm. I can't be a part of this right now. I can't, Mm. I need, I, I want to be a part of the solution, but right now the solution for me is just not being a part of it at all. Hmm. What year, uh, what year was that? Uh, let's see. I left in March of two years ago, maybe 2015. And then I rejoined in June of 2016. So maybe a year, close to a year and a half. I, I was off. Wow. No, that's, uh, what, what would you say like the biggest, um, takeaway from that year you know, you were away from it. Yeah, I think through that, I realized a couple things. One, I, I realized the things that I thought were important in my life um, and the things that I wanted to spend time on and realizing the pe- who the people were that really were important in my life. And um, a lot of those things I already knew beforehand, but it just reaffirmed it. And I also think it allowed me to, I don't know, create without any sort of um, care of who would see it. For a while, to be honest, like I would want to share stuff. I'd want to have a place to for have people look at it um, to get some sort of validation. And I don't, I don't think validation is bad. I think it's, it's good. But I think the need for this constant validation is unhealthy. And I think it just allowed me to create with a, my own perspective again. And I think uh, that was really, really healthy for me. And it also, you know, allowed me to see that, man, I got off so I could spend more time doing things that I cared about. And in reality, I didn't always do that. I just like filled it up with something else completely as worthless uh, as, you know, scrolling for an hour through people that I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it just showed me who I was, I think, um, both the good and bad parts of it. That's awesome. No, man, I, sometimes I like wish we could just all go back to being children and make stuff just for the, you know, art of just making stuff or, and just like not. And I think that's when we're most creative is when we don't have pressure on ourselves and uh, start to consider other variables that shouldn't be in the picture. And mm-hmm. just, um, I don't know, I think that's, that's a really good takeaway. Um, well, Abe, you always talk about, because you, you you didn't delete Instagram, but you posted like, what, twice? In like <laughs> a, an entire year or something like that? Yeah. I just feel like you go through seasons and like I've had Instagram for s- seven years since it came out. and I And I also get paid to basically, you know, make posts for brands. So I was extremely burnt out and um, just had like pressure I had to put upon myself. Um, so just to like not even care, I think was refreshing and like lifted a lot um, because then I was able to come back and I'm slowly starting to come back and, and it feels like it did when it first started. You know, I get excited to go out shooting again, mm-hmm. which I hadn't felt for like at least like two years. Yeah. Because I think it, I think if we're not like, 
making things with purpose, it just becomes clockwork because we're just trying to like fulfill an expectation that we think people have for us when really nobody actually cares about what you're doing. Right. Like no, like they do no like people are excited to see like what you make but nobody's like on their like nobody's glued to their phone like waiting for you to post every day and if and if you think that's what people are doing <laughs> then like you have some other issues that i can't help you with you know what i mean right. like like no and everyone that's so like, true that I, I don't know man everybody takes it too serious it's um, way too serious and, and that's why like things like nine kelvin have sprung up <laughs> yeah you know, Dude, because I love people that account even when i wasn't on instagram i'd still like get online just to <laughs> Type it in. <laughs> just go check it out. And be like, hey, what you what you making fun of today? Oh and man, because like some of the times it would be about Visco, and I would just be like, oh man, that's so true. Whatever you just said. <laughs> dude, they don't hold back. They though. really like, have don't. No. But I think there's so much value in, Everybody in that account roasted. because I think there was a lot of value in even Nine Kelvin because it really showed and. It exploited the the things that everybody was afraid to talk about, but everybody knew that they were a part of. As far as like, oh, like. You know, all these ridiculous things that somebody from the outside would read and be like, you guys are like literally crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it was real. Everybody that follows that account has been offended by that account. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, for sure. Oh, I mean, um, I'm pretty sure most of the people who follow that account, that, yeah, like that account wrote stuff about them, you know, personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've roasted myself and Alex. Yeah. Okay. So back in the day before they made fun of the general population, they were just like going after friends or homies and they would like cut out our faces and put them on posts and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. it was really fun. But if y'all don't like, believe this, like go, go creep scroll on. way back in the archives. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. And then, so you took a year off of that and then, and, and now you're back and I think you wrote a little bit about um, your reason for coming back and, and, and that, and like, it's not like it's a big deal, so we don't even really have to talk about it. But was there was there just a time where you were just like, okay, like I think I'm healthy again, or I think I'm like not really thinking in the same way that I was, and and do you approach do you approach it a lot differently now than you used to? Yeah, I think so. I think I probably still spent way too much time on it, uh, but sure. I rejoined. Uh, okay, let me back up. The first time I joined social media, um, I was I joined. It was like 13 when I was in Montana, and I joined MySpace. Uh, for the sole purpose of meeting other people in Montana. Um, so I wouldn't yeah, be lonely. Yeah. I was literally that kid who was like, Hey, I just moved here. I don't know anybody like, but do you want to hang out? You know, that'd be real tight. <laughs> um, and I thought, man, I've always used the internet to connect with people. That's just how I've used it. And so knowing that uh, we were going to be moving to London where I knew literally nobody, um, I, I rejoined basically so I could meet some people here uh, and kind of sure. build like-minded community. And I posted some polls on Twitter that were like, you know, where do you connect with people? How are you finding that? Um, and most people still said Instagram for the most part. And so I thought, okay, this will probably be my quickest way to um, meet some people here and just get plugged in locally. Um, sure. And it's also a good way again for me to share. Like I still share on Visco a ton, like a lot of, sides and stuff that you don't normally see but i still love sharing um and now i'm like i have four or five big projects that i've just been sitting on for like a year or two uh and probably start like sharing some of that stuff and, uh, yeah it's just a good way to like get in touch with people now totally nice it's good to see like uh intentional usage of social media <laughs> like the wave is probably meant to be to to be created. Oh yeah. Now I, it's so funny. Like once I came back, I saw people post up. It's like, Oh man, I only get 3% engagement or yeah. I, I see all these ads and I'm like, yo, I got like 30 followers and 15 of them just <laughs> like this. So let's, let's talk about engagement right now. 
<laughs> they got that fifty percent engagement. One of my biggest pet peeves is like when that carries over to other like if you, if you're like feeling like so strongly about it that you go onto Twitter and you go onto Facebook and then you complain about Instagram and then you also post that shit to your story. Dude, like get a <laughs> oh lot man, of that was one of the things too. When I was off Instagram, man, I you it was inescapable. I don't care where you were at. It's like people were talking about it everywhere. Uh, Left and right. And I was just like, oh, God, I cannot escape this. And so, like, I might as well just join again um, just to, like, help be a part of the solution rather than, right. you know, part of the problem. But, no, it's good, man. I, I enjoy being back. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, it's good to have you back. It's yeah. it's cool to see. Because, like, even even though I would see you stuff on, like, your stuff on Visco, there is no real messaging feature or way to kind of communicate back and forth. So I think there's there's advantages in, in being connected on other networks as well. Totally. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Carter, you had a really good job, and um, you left that job. That's true, uh, I did. You got a, you got <laughs> another really good job uh, at Apple. So how did that kind of um, how that kind of come about? Like I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm like just literally the luckiest dude in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting from. Like that's yeah. I, I'm just like, like man, Carter just I'm wakes kinda, up. He just wakes up and he's like, I woke up like this. Dude, yeah, it's like the favor day. of the Lord. And just like his hand, you know, just on my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, that's real. Uh, yeah. No, no doubt. Uh, so, no, I'll tell you. Um, so when I was, so we, I left Visco because my wife it, it got into her dream school for graduate school here um, last summer. Her, and I don't know if she wants me sharing this, but I think it's okay. Um, last summer, her dad passed away, and during that time we really started thinking about like what's next in our life. Uh, what's, you know, what do we have? Uh, yeah, just what's next. Like, what are we doing with our lives? Um, you know, and we started thinking about like, what are our long-term goals? Uh, and for her, it was always to go back to school because, um, she's a nurse and for the people who don't know her, she is one of the few people in this world that I think can actually change it. Like, we all talk about changing the world. I think she is one of the few that have the potential to do it on a big scale. And I'm not sure she realizes that, but I see it. And uh, so when she's like, I, you know, let's talk about going back to school. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, you know, if we're dreaming, just dream big, just dream the biggest dream that you can possibly dream. Cause there's no hurt in that. And so I was like, just what school did you want to go to? And we picked out a couple and uh, her number one choice was here in London because it's the number two, ranked program in the world. It was started by her idol for nursing. It's just, it's just like the best. Um, and so then I was like, okay, let's apply and just, you know, see what happens. Let's just see. She applied. And of course, like she got in. And, uh, so then we had a real decision to make and that was probably, so she applied, I think December of last year. And we were talking about it in October, November, and then she got in in February. And then once that happened, it just became super real. And we were like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, and, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking and talking with other people, um, praying about it. And we just decided, I think, maybe in March that, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And it was in March that I told uh, Greg and Joel, both of the co-founders, uh, that we were going to be leaving. And they both know Brooke really well, and they totally understood. Um, but I told them not to say anything. Um, and then during that time, I worked on a, uh, a lot of this stuff you might have seen with Today at Apple. Um, 
Visco like played a huge part in helping them kind of launch their new retail strategy at Apple. And we're like their photo partner through that launch. Um, I think even Evan was a part of it. Alex, were you a part of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if you were. You was, went to a dinner, I, I think. Was not. Yeah, I went to the dinner in New York, but Evan hosted the Today at Apple Photo Walk in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So we had about a month to plan all of that, like 65 events, 14 countries, mm-hmm. 30 cities, something crazy. And uh, Yeah, crazy. Me, I did the majority of that with another uh, colleague, Mel, who was still in Colorado. And um, I came out to London for the launch of that. And while I was out here, um, a friend of mine at Apple who I worked with, she was like, oh, it's cool. You're going to London. Could you ever see yourself living there? And I was like, actually, funny enough, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be living there. And then um, she was like, oh, you should meet these people. And she introduced me to a guy who I got coffee with. And um, yeah, we just had a really good conversation. And then uh, that turned into a few interviews. And then, um, then eventually, you know, he was like, actually, we don't have a position for you. Uh, we're not going to hire for the role that we thought you were going to be in. Uh, and this was like after like six interviews. So I was, I felt pretty confident I was going to get something. And then he was like, no. Um, and then, so all of July and half of August, I was just like, crap, what am I going to do in London? I was just like, <laughs> I literally thought through everything, like just, you know, freelancing as much as I could, but even more to like things. I was like, oh yeah, I'll create this YouTube show and where I'll interview business owners, like just small ones, like, uh, you know, dry cleaners or bodega stand owners. And I'll just call the show. Yeah. I'll just call the show hashtag sponsored and everything will just be a sponsored <laughs> ad. And there'll be like this comedy show. And, uh, nice. uh, but then Apple called me back like, Hey, we actually got something. Um, would you be interested? And I was like, yes, heck yeah. I'll take it. Uh, whatever it is, like it could be scrubbing the floors, but if it says Apple on my resume, I'll do it. <laughs> You're like down. <laughs> yeah. So Say no more. The role is actually uh, only a, it's a year long contract role, but my wife's education program is a year long too. And they both start in September and end in September. And so I was like, this is wow. perfect. It's like, couldn't be better yeah. timing. And if something happens where I get to stay afterward, that's cool. And if not, then, you know, we'll figure something else out. But I'm like, this is, this is right. This is too right to not take. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, so what I'm gathering from this is that to get the job at the coolest company ever, you just got to get some coffee with people. <laughs> yeah, dude. You just got to find somebody <laughs> who's like halfway into third wave and then just yeah. <laughs> be like halfway now. Yeah, I mean, we got coffee and it was not great. I'll call it like half wave, uh, you know, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> he was cool. And uh, he's, he's now my boss. And um, that's awesome, man. Yeah, he is, is, it's awesome. And the team I work with is uh, retail marketing. So um, helping, you know, organize campaigns here for all of Europe uh, with an amazing team uh, that have all been at Apple for like five plus years. Nice. Yeah, my whole team Dude, is like brilliant, and they've been around forever. So I'm just stoked to have a year to learn with them. Yeah, I think I think any even at any opportunity, no matter what job we're going to, I think it's always so important to be able to have the ability to learn. You know, and I think like it's awesome that you're kind of in a position where you're like, yeah, I'm still learning. Like I'm still learning after you know going through six years at five years of Visco. Man, if you're not you know, learning, then to, like, why are you doing it? If it's just to make money, yeah. that's so unfulfilling. Like. I'd rather yeah, take a job that pays little to nothing and be able to learn and develop skills that could change my life than just, you know, take an extra $500 a month. Totally. 
No, I totally agree. Well, dude, congratulations on that. That's, that's huge. It's only been, you know, like six weeks in, but the, you know, they're a super gracious team and uh, we're getting to work on some cool stuff. Cool. Um, dude, I think before uh, we roll out of here, I think uh, one of the questions that I think that we both would love to hear from you is, um, you know, you've kind of made some like really big transitions and I think like a lot of uh, your decisions have been like pretty, I feel like they've been like pretty large monumental. Like they're probably not easy to to make all the time are they <laughs> like you're no, probably just not like I mean, they're not oh yeah it's really easy <laughs> you look at my journal yeah. and you'll see <laughs> yeah yeah it's like probably a mess um what 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 is like maybe some advice or just you know just some i guess just some advice or words to the wise that you would give for people who are kind of faced with really big decisions and they just feel as if like things might not really work out like will i ever become a photographer full-time will, will i ever be a designer can i can i do this creative thing full-time um, the people who are sitting there, like I didn't go to art school, or I didn't, I don't have an education, or you know, I feel like you've kind of experienced and lived through a lot of situations where maybe you've been stacked up against the odds, and and things have worked out for you. And what what would you say is just just something that you would like give to those people that they can take away from this? Yeah. Um, so not to sound like super preachy, but for me, like I, you know, number one thing is like if I don't have faith in God and I don't have faith that he is out like for my good and that he cares about the things that I care about and the things and like who I am, then, uh, that's like, that's what I go to first. I'm like, man, if I can put God first, um, for me, that's like that. I feel like he's got me to every place. I, I promise you like, and you can cut this out if you want. Um, but no, we're definitely keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a part of the Bible that talks about like putting him in his kingdom first and, you know, he'll, give you the desires of your heart and make your path straight. And so when I have questions, man, that's like the first thing I do is I just like pray a ton. I have the word pray tattooed on my wrist. Um, like it's a part of who I am, but that aside, like practically um, if you're not like a faith person or that's not your thing, um, although I, I would advocate for it to be. Um, yeah. I would say just like make as spend as much time honing in on your craft as you can. And I know every creative says this, like trust the process, but man, if you put out good work, um, eventually, you know, that comes back to you. I think, yeah. you know, there's a, we used to have a phrase at this call, it's not just at Visco, but we used to talk about a lot about like being put, always putting out quality stuff and never putting out something just because we need to hit a deadline. Like if it wasn't good enough, then we didn't put it out. And that like was hard at times, but mm. I would say like just hone the craft. Like, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, social media doesn't help with this. Like there's no room for experimentation. Like you put it out there and people expect it to be a heater or, and if it's not, then you're done. Like that was yeah, yeah. pre internet. You get that unfollow <laughs> pre internet. Like you could just make as many bad photographs as you wanted and no one would know. And so then when you post that, you know, when you have a gallery, they only know whatever work is in that gallery. And now like you have no room for experimentation, which is super sad. Um, but I'd say spend time like just making making work, whether it's a writer, whether it's a photographer, or a videographer, like spend time doing it. And if no one sees it, no one sees it, but you know that you've put in the hours. And when that day comes when a client says, like, hey, and that client could be your mom, and she says, like, you know what, we need to make a family reunion video and I'll pay you to do it, you say, Yeah, because I know how to use my camera, I know how to do lighting. And then from there it kind of just rolls out. Um and the second thing, and that's probably you know, really one of the biggest things for me is spend time making relationships with people. Um, 
spend time building community in your real life because those people, you know, you don't know where they're going to be at one day. You don't know where you're going to be at one day. And eventually, you know, someday, six or seven years down the road, those paths could cross and, you know, it could be a completely different thing for you. Um, and so, yeah, but don't, a lot of people, I think, make the mistake of like, oh, I just need to get out there and network. I just need to like go to this brand's happy hour, you know, go to this pop-up event or whatever. But that's not, for me, at least it hasn't been the way to do it. Like, make connections with people who you could actually like see yourself being friends with. Like if you couldn't be friends with them, then why are you hanging out with them? If it's just to get ahead, then, you know, people are going to see right through that. Like you need to be genuine and you need to spend time building relationships with people. And I think, um, you know, I've done a good job at that, uh, you know, sometimes and then other times I haven't, there's people out there like, you guys know Adrian who works at Visco. Adrian, yeah, I actually, I actually met him uh, last week at at Michael's workshop at in down here in LA. Oh, tight. Yeah, so like Adrian, man, that guy hustled so hard. He is always yeah. out there grinding, and you know, for me, like Adrian has always been super genuine with me. He uh, he's like, you know, he'll text me things and just have insight into me because I think he he just cares. And I, you know, I would say be more like Adrian or be more like people who, um, you know just spend time getting to know people because they want to get to know people, not because they want to figure out their editing process or figure out how they land right. a job at that agency or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, just you know, yeah. be the person you would want other people to be to you. Right. No, I think, yeah, I think that's you. Hey, you're right on the money. I, I think there's so many times there's people. And I think a lot of the conversation we've had around on this podcast is talking about like connecting and like, all that stuff, but I, I feel as if there's no better way to say I'm not actually interested in your life at all other than let's than saying like let's get connected or let's connect sometime. Like I just there's just no real I don't know, it just feels a little it's not authentic. It's it feels just, a little stale. I mean, but the, I wish the really, there was a better word for connect. Like sometimes that just is the best word, like, hey, we'd love to grab coffee and connect with you. And I'm like, oh kind of yeah. I just said that. But like I really do <laughs> want to like saying like if you, especially if you don't know, I'm saying like, Hey, I would like to hang out and hear about your life story and you know, all these intimate things that I already know about you that you don't know that I know about you. Like that's weird. <laughs> so if I could just say like yeah. connect that, I don't know. There's got to be a better way. word. Maybe that's our mission is, let's, you know, community. Yeah. People. Let's come up with a new word. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's, let's get a whole task of uh, Apple and Visco people. We'll, <laughs> What's we'll the word? What's the new word? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Carter, uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on and kind of just sharing a little bit about your story and um, just some insight. I feel like you had like some really great things to say that I feel like a lot of other people won't be able to deliver the same way you did. Oh, man. Um, well, I appreciate no that. I appreciate you guys taking the time. And uh, if you listen to this back and you're like, oh, crap, what have we done? And you just like want to scrap the whole thing. Just, <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. And I will just say, we'll just like both secretly mutually agree that it was the bad audio and not a bad idea. <laughs> Like yes. when you guys are like, oh, we were going to have a podcast with Carter, but um, yeah, the audio, you know, London, their Wi-Fi totally sucks, so we just scrapped it. <laughs> we had some issues. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, How'd you think uh, the podcast went? Oh, okay, so I've, I've been looking your, forward to this your perspective. because I've been listening to it every week so far, and I feel like I got to listen before <laughs> everyone else because I'm in the future time-wise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, not to sound like pompous, you know, but I feel like so, like at least... A nine and a half out of 
Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's confidence. That's the confidence we want. Everybody's been like seven. Uh, that means six. we don't suck ass anymore. <laughs> that means that means we're getting, we're getting better, better. No, no, man. Awesome. This has actually been like just right. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we're glad to hear it, and I and the only reason why we're doing this is because we want to we want to hear stories and tell better stories and just you know you know, just talk with our friends. Like it just gives us a reason yeah. to, to chat with somebody in London, you know? Yeah, and, so. <laughs> and you guys are doing a good job. I think that's like one of the, your very first episode when all four of you were around and you're like, well, yeah, we don't know what we're doing, but we just like want to do stuff. And I was like, yeah, now this yeah. is who I can get behind. Like all my favorite podcasts yeah. are like that. Like just like people who love stuff that they're into and then they don't know what they're doing. Like I listened to a podcast the other day of this guy and he was literally asking this marketing guy on the podcast how to market his own show. He's like, we don't really have many people listening. So like, how would we get people to listen? And that episode, yeah. I was like, yeah, like, you don't know. None of us know, man. We're all speaking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. I think we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. Yeah. But the people who think they have it figured think, out are suckers. Yeah. And they, they are the furthest ones from having That's not what we're out. trying to be. Yeah. We ain't trying to be a Q and a, we're not trying to be, you know, robots. We're right. Trying yeah. to be, just trying to be homies. <laughs> homies. <laughs> Cool. Um, well, Carter, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, if you all want to check out more of Carter's work, um, Carter has a website uh, at cartermore.co, and you can find him on Visco at username is Carter, right? Yeah, just straight Carter. Carter, and then he's on Instagram at I am Carter Moore. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. As always, all of our sound and music is done by Brandon Miranda. You can find more of his work at soundcloud.com slash Brandon underscore Miranda. And for more information, follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.co.